You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Head Pride Radio, Jay Binkley, Pete Sweeney. We do this each and every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. Brought to you by the uh, Kansas Lottery, Dream Bigger. Good evening, Pete. Good evening. How's it going, Jay? It's going. A lot of stuff to talk about tonight. A lot more interesting stuff. We talked about it last week. The magnifications. All the, all the things that are at stake with the Chiefs and Bills. Well, we got our answers. But before we get into that... Let's go into some injuries today, Pete, because yeah. uh, injuries, uh, a lot of them for the Kansas City Chiefs as far as the injury report that just came out earlier. Here's Andy Reid addressing some of those uh, when he met the media earlier today. As far as injuries go, um, Hitch um, won't practice today. He's got um, knee inflammation. Uh, Traverius Ward with a quad strain. Blake Bell, his back uh Locked up on him there, tightened up on him, so he, he won't practice. Tyreek Hill um, has a quad contusion uh, that happened during the game, and <clears throat> he played through it, but he had a little swelling in there, so we'll back off of him. And then Chris Jones with the wrist contusion, and then uh, Joe Tooney with the uh, broken hand. So um, it seems like a long long list, but uh, I, I think when it's all said and done, we'll, we'll be able to get guys back here in the next in the next little bit, but um, which is a which is a positive thing. Big names on that list, Pete. Of course, uh, most of them probably will end up playing last week. And Joe Tooney. I mean, right. you know, he wraps his hand up and plays with the broken. That's tough guys for you there, Pete. But with Tyree Kill on that list and Ward still on it, Chris Jones could he come back? You know, they need a lot of these guys to come back. Yeah, and what is alarming there are the names are are some of the key players on the team. But keep that in mind. As we go through this, Andy Reid was optimistic that most of this list can play on Sunday. I tend to think the only two question marks are Charvarius Ward, who has missed the last three games. Why is he a question mark? Because he practiced fully last week, Wednesday and Thursday, and then was listed as limited on Friday. That typically suggests that he had some type of setback, and then he was held out of the game on Sunday night. And then Chris Jones, it seems to me like the strategy right now is it's a shutdown. This wrist was bothering him for two weeks leading into the previous game before the Bills. They made him a game-time decision to see how it would feel on Sunday night. It was called a true game-time decision. He was not able to go, meaning the wrist was not there. And so I tend to think they're going to rest him another week. This is a player that Andy Reid said last week could perform without having any practice, that probably still stands for this week. 
And so I think it's a no practice for Jones and another game time decision on Sunday. To me, it's it's less important that Jones plays against these next three teams. I, I understand that there's going to be people, people out there who say, who say well, they got to get winning. Um, Washington, the Chiefs should be able to handle without Jones. I do feel that about Tennessee, which is a little bit closer, certainly against the New York Giants. But I think when you're getting to back to these games against teams like the Green Bay Packers four weeks out from now, Let's shut down Jones. Let's get his wrist 100%, and then maybe we can get that guy that we expected in the preseason. That's probably um, the, the thought there. And then, Jay, we should also note that Jaron Reed was not at practice today, uh, not injury-related due to personal reasons. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things we saw Clyde Edwards-Hilaire go down in this game. He's on the IR now, Pete. Um, well, a guy that really showcased himself in preseason that a lot of people fell in love with, Derek Gore, on the active Darryl roster, Sears. Elijah McGuire, uh, signed to the Andy uh, Reid said he looked squad. like Gail Sayers after a preseason game, and then he was on That's the practice squad, and now here he comes. You never know when these situations, right? Because you I never be- know about running backs. Period. I think that Daryl Williams will get the first crack. I said this on the drive earlier. I I think that by the end of them exchanging, and this is just my opinion and, and my analysis on it. I think Jarek McKinnon profiles more like Clyde than maybe Daryl does. You know, Daryl is that bruiser, three third down type of guy, whereas I think McKinnon is a closer fit. So I, I, I tend to think McKinnon might get more touches by the end of this. But back to Gore, in these situations, you sometimes will see the, the third back get a, a down or two. And if they make the most of it, Eric enemy may be like, you know what, Gore, keep going out there, man. And, and we saw some glimpses of that in the preseason. I mean, look, look at Taysom over in Baltimore. They had three, you know, with Gus Edwards going down, J.K. Dobbins, Justice Hill went down. They still continued that 100-yard rushing per game. Tied the NFL record. They lost it because they didn't get over 100 yards rushing as a team in, in that game. But running backs do come out of nowhere at different times. So you can never say never with running backs. So I'm not huge on giving running backs second contract. One name that was floated out there on Twitter by Mike Clay earlier, Marlon Mack. He said the Chiefs may have some interest in him. He's with the Colts. I, I Personally, Pete, I don't think they make a move on a running back. I know they might have had some interest in Mack. I think they're going to dance with what brought him. I think they'll get by with these games with Clyde's on injured reserve, to be quite honest with you. It doesn't make sense to give up draft capital when it's going to be imperative to get uh, to use everything you can as far as on defensive players next year. Good running back, had 1,000 yards two years ago. Last year had the Achilles, but... Uh, I say a big no on, <laughs> on trading any kind of draft to capital for running back. I'm with you. And Marlon Mack has asked for a trade because of Jonathan Taylor looking the way that he looks and Naheem Hines getting in the mix there. And he's become the third back in the room. And I don't think the Chiefs need to go and get someone else's old goods. We've seen this movie before, a little bit older in McCoy and, and Bell. Give these young guys an opportunity. McKinnon actually... Feels like he's a young guy, but he's been in the league for quite some time. He just lost two years because of injury and has looked really good since the preseason. I like the one-two mix. You know, you change it up a little bit, and we see what Daryl Williams can do. I've been waiting for a long time for Daryl Williams to get a true opportunity. So has he, as he said earlier today. And so I'm eager to see how he does on Sunday against Washington. Chiefs are actually seventh in the NFL in rushing, believe it or not, 128 yards a game. Top 10, baby. But, of course, a lot of that is the homes, the 30, the 40, the 50 yards. He'll add on scrambles, out of bounds. U.S. Patrick Mahomes uh, brings us to our 
first peak question of the night. You love this. About Daryl Williams and McKinnon. Are they ready to go? We're about to chat with uh, Daryl. Um, obviously, Clyde's on, on injured reserve. What tells you that Daryl and then Jarek are, are ready to, to handle these duties in the back? Uh, I think it's just that they've done it before. I mean, you've seen these guys. Daryl, he stepped up in big in big spots uh, his whole career here, uh, filling in, running running strong, running tough. And then if you watch uh, Jarek uh, McKinnon's career, I mean, he, he's he's been a guy that's made plays in a lot of different spots, and I've I've trust that he'll come in here and he'll and he'll make plays here as well. And then one thing about Daryl is, you know, let's we'll see, he's an undrafted running back, but there's a lot of undrafted running backs that have done well. Just ask James Robinson down in Jack. He's the latest. You know, Aaron Foster, we go on and on with it. Right. Daryl Williams, and, you know, Beach has been coming up a little bit this week with defensive players that, you know, that he drafted. There's been some questions on some of those guys. But no one brings up Creed Humphrey being the best center in the NFL that he drafted or Trey Smith. But this is a Brett Veach move when he brought in Darrell Williams, undrafted out of LSU. And you look at the numbers between him and Darius Geis when he was behind Leonard Fournette as well at LSU. But, you know, you kind of compare and contrast some of the numbers he had against a guy like Darius Geis that was drafted. Darrell Williams put up some big numbers both receiving and running in LSU. I think it's an interesting player. It's a, a guy who has filled that third down back role for the Chiefs, certainly the pass protection. He's become the leader of that running back room, considering he's the elder statesman, so to speak, at at this point. I, I really like Darrell Williams. I, I know what you're saying also uh, about Creed Humphrey. I, I think when the team is losing, there tends to be a focus on some of the negatives, and right now it's on the safety depth. But this offensive line has been really good. It's It's improved the run game. Seems to have given Patrick a little bit more protection. Hasn't led to less turnovers, which is unbelievable to, to think about, but that's another story. Uh, when it comes to running the football, you also have Trey Smith, and, and the great thing about these two guys who've looked really good, Humphrey and Smith, is that they're on their rookie contracts, right? And and the way that they are playing, they may make a case for some big-time offensive line money years down the road. You know, yeah, at this uh, point, Humphrey and Trey Smith are outstanding draft picks. So so much is made about the quarterback contract, but you lock these guys in for the next couple of years or so at that really small rate, protecting Patrick Mahomes and opening things up in the, the run game. The offense has been good. I mean, you clean up the turnovers, the Chiefs are probably, what, 4-1? and one? Yeah, 100%. It is what it is, though. You had a chance to talk to Darrell Williams today, too, about you know getting a start, what it means to him. You never know, man, when sometimes people get that chance. And be RB number one going into a game or any position, being the starter, right. it can kind of change your mindset around because you're not going in right. preparing as the backup. You're going in preparing as the man, the guy on a team that's been the back-to-back Super Bowls. Here was your question to Daryl Williams about uh, what this means to him and his family. understanding that um, this is business as usual for you. You're going to keep an even head. How excited is like your family and friends for what should be this opportunity over at least the next three weeks to, to be the lead guy here? Oh, uh, yeah, very, very, very excited. No. Um, you know, this probably this is gonna be my first time really starting in the, in the league for real, for real. And uh, you know, just with this opportunity, I just got to make the most of it. And uh, you know, just it's something big for for my mom, my dad, because you know, the day I, you know, for the uh, drafting uh, thing, I ain't get drafted, and just the the look in my my parents' eyes, watching my mom cry. Uh, you know what I mean? That meant that meant something special to me, cause it's like. <laughs> And I never seen my mama cry. And then just having that moment and not getting drafted, and she really was crying. You know, I kind of took that to heart. And, you know, now I get this opportunity. I just got to make the most of it just for her. It's the first peak question that brought out real emotion. <laughs> How about that? 
It's only our second show that, this year, but still. Yeah, no, uh, now you can hear how much it means to him, right? And those are those are the stories that kind of keep you coming back. I, I know that the first of all, it's it's just the spirit and, and being a Chiefs fan. But when you get to know these guys a little bit, they live and breathe the game of football. And the draft day comes, and they're waiting and waiting, and especially these guys who don't go. You, know, you mentioned all the success at LSU. That's a big-time program, right? And and you come from that, and you, you almost kind of assume, well, there's got to be someone in this league who likes me. And then you go in as an undrafted free agent, and it's a battle. This Chiefs running back room, I, I joke about it a lot, and I had mentioned it already, but like with Bell and, and McCoy coming, Darren Williams, for this small part of his early career right here, has probably kept looking and being like, oh, my God, another guy. Even, like, McKinnon bringing him in. It well, showed like, lack of McKinnon. trust, but he put himself above Bell last year. You know, here, here's Daryl Williams put himself more in the circle of trust than Le'Veon Bell. And this is a grand opportunity here for him, right? You know, we talk about running backs in the league and how maybe they shouldn't be drafted. It's not like Clyde Edwards-Alaire can come into the game. You know for a fact for the next three weeks you're going to get some real opportunity here. It's probably going to be a share might be a little bit more Daryl, might be a little bit more Jarek, but you're going to get some real opportunity to make a case to be one of those two guys. I think we're seeing in the NFL, Jay, it's becoming more of a tandem position. I mean, there's only about three or four or five guys that you say those guys handle the full work. And it's not game. as important having that right. guy because look at the Baltimore Ravens. They're proving that right now. That's why I'm scratching my head why the Jags went another running back. Yeah, it makes no one. sense. But, but – Urban Meyer is a whole other story. <laughs> but he, uh, uh, Williams here, is now getting an opportunity to prove that he belongs to be one of those two guys for a team. You know, and it might not be here with him becoming a free agent, but this is this is the time to to really put some good film uh, out there, and, and we'll see what happens for him in his career, and, and hopefully it's successful here in Kansas City. We'll certainly talk about the defensive woes of the Kansas City Chiefs bringing up the rear of the NFL, who is the second best team in the AFC? I asked this question last night. I'd like to talk to Pete about that question too, because Chiefs are still the second favorite in Vegas as far as the AFC. How much validity into that? Plus the Chiefs going from the hunter, or excuse me, the hunted to the hunter. We'll address that uh, when we come back here on the Arrowhead Pride uh, Radio Show. You're listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio with Pete Sweeney and Jay Binkley. Brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to AP Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger. Jay Binkley, Pete Swinney, Pete, the editor-in-chief, arrowheadpride.com. Some good stuff out today. I think Pete put out like five or six articles. Dude was <laughs> just flying through them. Uh, CDOT coming out there doing the work. Coming on here, yeah. Pete's today. We'll talk to Ron Kopp, arrowheadpride.com, coming up at 6.30. Don't forget your questions. Jay Southland, tow service text line, 913-576-7610, the final segment. As we get in, well, we do Pete's questions to the Chiefs. It's Pete's questions to Pete. 
All right, Pete, here's the bottom line. A lot of questions on the show. So I've said this. I've been talking about this, the hunter to the hunted role. In 2019, they were the hunter, right? They thrived in that role. Mm. Throw a chip on the shoulder, trying to prove themselves. Right. Then they got to the top of the hill, got the crown. And then all of a sudden, they became the hunted. And everybody wanted to beat them. So much so, you just look at the teams this year that beat the Chiefs. They threw on they threw parties in Baltimore. <laughs> you know, so the Chargers really didn't. I'll give them, them some credit for that. But beating the Chiefs. And they've all talked about it. The Honey Badgers talk about it. Like Washington. Hey, everybody yeah. wants to beat the Chiefs. It, quote, makes their season. And, hey, they've gone for it on fourth down six out of ten times this year. They're playing in house money. They do want to beat the Chiefs. But I think with all the losses the Chiefs have accumulated, to be honest with you, I think they're back in the hunter role. They're not the hunted anymore. They were, but now teams are knowing the Chiefs can be beat. Beat them is not as special as it used to be. They're going back, in my opinion, to the hunter role. Yeah, I, I can buy a, a little bit. I don't know. I think we've seen, and even nationally, we've seen the Chiefs come back too many times and then find a way in the postseason, at least in recent years. I mean, you, you talk about going to three straight AFC title games. And, and you know, you'd mentioned the celebrations after these wins against the Chiefs. Really, it was just Harbaugh. If you go and watch that locker room celebration, he turns to the team and he's like, we're going to get 53 game balls for this win. And it's like, I don't know if that's the right messaging that you necessarily want. Now, the Ravens look pretty good and they're riding Lamar Jackson and they've been able to come back in, in that game and everything. And I like the Ravens. I, I think they'll be there in the postseason. And it's a lot has to do with, with Lamar Jackson. But I just like the approach of, as you mentioned, uh, L.A. Chargers with Staley who – uh, I, I really like and McDermott in Buffalo. Like the one thing that Buffalo said, and this is why I wouldn't necessarily call the Chiefs the hunting or the hunters uh, again just yet, is um, this win's fine. It's going to be made uh, a big deal. But the bottom line is that until we do it in the postseason, it doesn't really matter. And that's the approach that like the Chiefs had in in nineteen. Remember, there was an era where the Chiefs with the Alex Smith team they beat both Super Bowl teams in one year whether it's the Seahawks and the Patriots hammered the Patriots and you know it didn't matter and I, I think the Buffalo Bills and the Chargers they realize that and I think a lot of these smart teams out there realize that the Super Bowl isn't in week two or three and the Chiefs are going to figure it out they're not going to play like this all year they're going to be in the postseason and to me if you're able to do it in the postseason then next year you're hunting again until that happens it's just hard for me but I I do see what you're saying. Like teams early on have gunned to get these wins. I just don't think they're carrying down their shoulders anymore. You know, the whole it's you know, a, the, it's the a little, each loss is a little less yeah, special less for it. sure. Yeah. And well, the Bills and Chargers realize, hey, they could see this team again. Just be careful, you know, how you act because of the postseason. You might even see them on the uh, Monday Night Football Wild Card now that uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, that we're going to have. But brings us this question too: Vegas doesn't have the Chiefs as Super Bowl favorites, of course, anymore. But they've got them as the second-best team in the AFC with odds behind the Bills. The question is, you look at those teams that are kind of in that second tier that we like looking at. I put Cleveland still there. Baltimore, they're in there. But Justin Tucker set an NFL record with a field goal to beat the freaking Detroit Lions. The Colts let them off the hook the other night. So I don't know how much to buy in with the Ravens. Then there's the Chargers that won at Arrowhead. Justin Herbert's been amazing. But... I'll say this, and I'm surprised nobody nationally brings it up whenever they're glossing on Justin Herbert and the Chargers. They don't bring up just how bad that defense is. 
32nd in the NFL in rushing defense. They gave up 477 yards and 33 first downs to the Chiefs. Those combinations haven't been met in the NFL this year. And the Chiefs have not given up 500-yard game. The Chargers have as they gave up 500 yards a week ago to the Cleveland Browns. I'm not 100% buying the Chargers because I don't think they're a complete team like the Buffalo Bills. You can say the same thing about the Kansas City Chiefs. But I don't think there's the definitive line of who the solid number two team in the AFC is. Well, like a, we thought we'd have the answers. Yeah, I, I just you can't put the Chiefs. I mean, that's the problem. Like, you just can't. Because you're making that argument about the, the Chargers, the Chiefs defense is just as bad, if not worse. Well, I'm just saying it is. But it, now, it's who you value more. They have the experience. They've got Mahomes. They think he's better than Herbert. They've got a better head coach. I, I understand. what you're, and, and the point is, is valid, Jay. But, like, the Chiefs have been winning close games for a year straight now. It's not like they whatever step step on another team's throat. They've just been fortunate enough to have that small margin of victory go their way. So I, I understand what you're saying about the Ravens and the field goal, and you're 100% correct, but the bottom line is they're winning those games. The Chiefs had been, do, had been able to pull that off. Mahomes has been able to will them in a sense, and you, what's costing them right now is a combination of the literally and statistically incredibly like the worst defense we've already ever seen through five weeks and then the turnovers. The Chiefs might have a better record in the case of, of those things not happening, but we can't just go to the ifs at this point. We got to go to the results, and I think the Chargers deserve that. Now, will that be the case at the end of the year? Let's see. There's a, that, that, that is the one thing that I will admit I think is getting lost at the, at the national level. Like You have a Stephen A. Smith on ESPN the other day, and he says the Chiefs are completely done. Like There's been a little bit too many definitive takes for being through five weeks of the I, NFL I, season. I heard the same things about the 14 Patriots. Yeah. The 2018 right. Patriots. Right. I heard the same thing about last year's Buccaneers team. They're washed. They're done. And Tom Brady's won a title in each one of those years. I will say this, Pete. You look at these next three games, and, you know, as they sit two and three right now, how are you going to come out of it? Five and three. This team going to be four and four after the stretch of Washington the Titans, the Titans, another team that don't value their defense, and then the Giants, which their head coach didn't even realize that their their quarterback Daniel Jones was practicing the day. But this <laughs> is a feel good stretch. I know that Gruden was the first one fired for very different reasons. I I was thinking maybe Joe Judge would be the guy. A reporter had to tell Joe Judge that Daniel Jones was actually a practice. That would see that is the type of stuff that would never happen no. in Kansas City, and and it just goes to show just. I think how fortunate, despite this rough stretch here, I think the Chiefs are to having Andy Reid, and and that's what gives me confidence that they'll right the ship. They just kind of went through this, you know, not too long ago in the Super Bowl year where there was um, this stretch where the defense did not look good and the man coverage, the extreme man coverage was beating the Chiefs' offense, and they dropped two games, and then the offense figured it out, and then all of a sudden the defense clicked. Um, the defense is going to get healthier because right now it's pretty banged up. And so I, I think that'll help. I, I do think that they're going to finally make this change with Daniel Sorensen this week. It does seem that way. I'm getting those subtle hints from the the things we are hearing in the, in the media. And I think the Chiefs are going to clean up the turnovers and they're going to win three in a row. The question is, after they turn it around, and I'm try not trying to jinx anything. I'll knock on wood so you can hear it. But in my opinion, after they turn things around, how are they going to do it five and three against the Green Bay Packers? That'll be the next true measuring stick because they are just in a different place than Washington and, and New York, especially the 
there is a slight question, I think, with Tennessee, who has up and down weeks. Derrick Henry right now against this Chiefs defense yeah. does seem like a daunting matchup, yes. but I think the Chiefs are the better team, and that's just where I'm at. And Derrick Henry was on a roll in the postseason yeah. that one year. The Chiefs did not have that great of a run defense slowed him down. I will say this. This came out from uh, Aaron Schatz, who works over at DVOA. DVOA. Chiefs still have the number one offense in DVOA in the NFL, unless you were concerned about the Chiefs' offense. Defense 32, where it should be. But the average DVOA of Kansas City Chiefs' five opponents, 18.8%. That's good. It's on the positive side. No other team is above 11%, meaning the Chiefs have had a significantly tougher schedule, mm -hmm. according to DVOA, than opponents. Now, the average DVOA of their 12 remaining opponents, minus 1.3%. Complete opposite of 18.8%, showing you next 12 games a lot easier. Doesn't mean you still got to win the games. Just saying they're not going to be tested as much as they were early. It's been a rough stretch. Uh, you know, I, I think it's it's – we we went through this, and I, I fell victim to it too. Where you just thought Patrick Mahomes would be able to push through everything, and it's and it's unfortunately been a very human stretch where the beginning of the season was very front loaded when it came to playing a lot of these AFC contenders early. First five if, weeks. If these losses would have been spread out, I mean, the Chiefs are usually good for two to four to five losses a year, except it it's more spread out. I, I think that's what, what you're going to remember when they go through this next stretch is just how dominant of a team they could be. And, and whereas, like, the defense, most weeks when you're playing teams that are not as good as the ones you've played so far, it doesn't matter as much because the offense is that much more powerful. And, and, and again, I, I think the, the turnover thing will be cleaned up. This is not a team that's going to continue to turn the ball over. Six interceptions is not common for Patrick Mahomes. That, to me, is going to be cleaned up, and I think you're going to see that. It, the differences in these big games as of late, really prior to last year's Super Bowl, the Chiefs were winning those big games against good teams and dominating. And the margin's a little bit closer. Teams are going to get better in the NFL. They're going to eventually draft better quarterbacks, and so you're going to see this, and this is natural. But again, there's, there's so much time before you're going to see these teams again. How often do we say in the playoffs, man, these are two completely different teams? Yeah, well, the Chiefs are going to be very different when they see these teams again as well. That's Pete Sweeney, editor-in-chief, arrowheadpride.com. You mentioned the turnovers. Chiefs are minus seven, sitting at 31st in the NFL, tied with Jacksonville. Jacksonville's actually 32, but the Chiefs are tied with them in actual giveaways. They have one more takeaway uh, than the Jags, but being with the Jags in any category, not good for the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll talk about the defensive efficient, uh, deficiencies. We'll talk about Dan Sorensen. What do you do with that? And we'll talk about getting the offense back in sync with Ron Kopp. ArrowheadPride.com next. You're listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio with Pete Sweeney and Jay Binkley. Brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to AP Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger, Jay Binkley, Pete Sweeney, the editor-in-chief. ArrowheadPride.com, and as we do each and every week, we'll check in with Ron Kopp from ArrowheadPride.com. Good evening, Ron. 
Good evening, fellas. How are you today? Hey, just trying to diagnose this. Uh, you were kind enough to join me last night, and we tried to put some sense to what this defense is. And I'll tell you this, Ron, or I'll ask you this. As they sit right now, there's only one way to go is up because they're historically bad at this point. Pete had mentioned a few minutes ago about Daniel Sorensen, thinks this might be the weakest snap count comes down. Where do you sit on what they're going to do with Dirty Dan this game? Yeah, well, you sure hope that that's the last straw. I mean, I don't know how much worse it can get uh, from a Dirty Dan performance. Now, the only thing that you, we, you do have to keep in mind is you know, these coaches know what they're doing, and the fact that Thornhill to this point has still not won over that job over Thornton. You know, maybe we need to start, you know, questioning well, what's going on with Thornhill. You know, what, you know, is there is there something, you know, maybe just a disconnect where he's just not maybe playing as well as he did in 2019, and and they're not trusting him because they trusted him to play over Dan at times in 2019 as a rookie, and so you think now would be that case too. But you know, maybe maybe there is something too they don't trust Thornhill. But my thing is. You got to throw him in there and see, right? You got to you got to see what you got with him. You haven't even given him really a chance to prove that this year. The Cleveland game wasn't perfect, but he made some plays, and and, and so I think that was an encouraging sign. They just didn't go away from it. So I think it's got to be Thornhill just to see what they got, right? I, I just it, it has to be this week, and if not, if it's not this week, then I don't know when it's going to happen. Yeah, that's that's the disconnect in in a situation where he had to play with Tyron Matthew out of the lineup. He had a tough first half, but that could have been attributed to rust. But that second half, it, it was against Cleveland. It, it was one of the reasons why the Chiefs defense was good and one of the reasons the Chiefs won the game. And so I don't know, Ron, doesn't that make it all the more baffling to you, this situation? Yeah, and, and with this defense right now, you know you're not going to be great. You know you're not going to be getting the consistent stops. You just need guys that are going to be in there to maybe make a play. And what did Thornhill do in the fourth quarter of week one? He made that great pass breakup on a long pass to, to force the punt and get the Chiefs the ball back. So, you know, Sorensen, you know, maybe he does have the trust of the coaches a little more. But he has not been, you know, he, he doesn't really make plays and coverage like that or make these, these big you know, he does make plays every once in a while. We, we all know that the fake punt tackle, all that kind of thing. But, you know, right. I think Thornhill has a little more pl- uh, big play upside. And so it, you might as well have him in there and, and try to create a big play, create a big turnover when your defense just isn't doing anything else. That's why he's not dirty, Dan. He's divisional, <laughs> Dan. One time a year in the divisional <laughs> round, he will make the play. Make the big play. There has been a dirty Dan game. You remember that Buffalo Bills game a couple of years ago? <laughs> that's true, yeah. That was the dirty true. Dan game. That was a couple years ago. Dirty, yeah. Ron, well, one thing that – well, I mean, there's a couple. There's actually a lot of things on this defense. I mean, they, they did make three stops. I mean, they get that turnover. It didn't count. Um, I don't know how much of that they can take going forward. Hopefully it gives them a little bit of momentum uh, defensively. But the one thing that it's, it's hard to believe, they're 11th in the NFL in blitzes. Or, excuse me, 7th in the NFL in blitzes. 11 in blitz percentage. But they've only hit the quarterback 12 times. So that shows that they're making an effort trying to get to the quarterback. Top 10 as far as trying to get to them. They just can't hit the quarterback when they get back there. How big of a problem is that, even if you have to go into this game, possibly without Chris Jones? Because, well, they didn't trust him enough to play with the injury against the Bills. Well, this defensive line is proving that you're going to see that number go even even up when you're talking about the blitz percentages. I think you're going to see Spags get even more aggressive with the blitzes. You saw it in the second half against Buffalo. And it actually worked. You know, it actually did get some stops. They got three straight stops in the second half. And, you know, without the roughing the passer, passer penalty, that's four stops in a row to start the second half. So I think there is something to build on that. 
but it's not a, a super encouraging sign because you really want your defensive line to be able to get pressure without sending extra men, and they're just not. And so, and and I think like you know, five games in, at some point, Spags has probably got to just say, hey, I'm just going to have to be super aggressive, not rely on these guys to ever really get four four man pressure. And you know, Jones being in there will help. You know, it absolutely will. And I think when Clark and Jones are in there, allowing Jones to be on the inside more, that's going to help the overall pass rush unit. But Right now, the defensive line is giving us no reason to believe that they can get pass rush by themselves. And so it's going to be Spags dialing it up, and it's going to be a lot of, you know, it's going to be a hit-or-miss kind of defense where you're either going to get a big play, big stop, or you're going to let a big play happen and score and get your offense back on the field, and it's going to be a lot of shootouts. I just think that's how it's going to go. Pete Sweeney, Jay Binkley, Arrowhead Pride Radio on 610 Sports Radio, talking with our lead analyst at arrowheadpride.com, Ron Coppin. As part of being our lead analyst, you have the opponent scout. You're going to be taking a look at the Washington football team. What does your initial look at this team tell you? How are the Chiefs going to fare, do you think, this weekend? Yeah, so Washington is a team that we all came into the season thinking, oh, boy, you know, they're, they're going to be this dominant defensive team that you know, their pass rush and their defensive line in general is going to be so dominant, and they have some good players in the back end that can make some plays. Well, that has just not been the case so far this season. They've actually had one of the worst defenses in the entire NFL this year. Mm. As crazy as it sounds, when you do have dominant guys up front like Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, both who have been playing really well, it's just the back end has been awful. They've had so many blown coverages. You, you see big plays go go uh, you know through the air on them. You know every week you saw last week a, a wide open pass to from Jameis to Deontay Harris like a seventy yard touchdown. Those things keep happening. And so Washington just, just has not been very, very uh, solid on defense. And so, you know, the, offense, the Chiefs' offense should have a pretty, pretty good day on that part. On the other side of it, though, the Washington offense, you know, Taylor Heineke, you know, the, the guy can make some plays. He's, he's a little bit of a, a, you know, a gunslinger, a playmaker. But, he's, you know, he's also an undrafted quarterback for a reason, and, and that shows up a lot of the time, too. So it's going to be one of those things where, the defense, you know, it, there's probably going to be some times where Heineke frustrates them, but they just got to take advantage of those opportunities when he does put the ball in harm's way or, you know, get some sacks and, and on these blitzes. You know, he's not going to – you know, Heineke's not great against the blitz. He's, he's, he's still an inexperienced quarterback. But that's the thing. You know, you got to get there. And, and like Jay just mentioned, you know, that hasn't been the case this, this year so far. And Washington has some playmakers once they get the ball in their hands, Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin. If, if those guys have good days, it could be a, another big shootout in can, uh, you know, for the Chiefs this week. Their scoring defense only gives up one point less than the Chiefs do on the year. The Chiefs are 32 in scoring defense. Washington this is, is not, 31. This is not the company you want to be a part of, Washington. I, I will say this, though, Ron, and I don't know how much we're going to see of this. It's Riverboat Ron. Ron likes to gamble. There's only one team that has one more fourth down attempt than they do. Six of 10, 60% on fourth down. Riverboat Ron, like this is the one thing, because they're planning house money. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could totally see Washington in certain situations going for it because they like to do it with Riverboat Ron. Yeah, absolutely, and they have a good offensive line. So if it is in those you know, uh, fourth and two, fourth and three situations, they may trust their offensive line to bully this defensive line that hasn't really shown much at all in, in terms of you know dominating at the line of scrimmage. Uh, they may choose to, you know, have Antonio Gibson, who is a really good runner, and get behind that line and get those yards. So I totally agree. And Heineke can move. So we've seen these, we've seen offenses really attack the Chiefs with a running quarterback. I think we could definitely see Washington kind of implement that a little bit too with some read options or, or something to get Heineke, you know, on the move with the ball in his hands and, and give the Chiefs linebackers trouble who, you know, really gave back and it's nice to see. But 
you know, the rest of them are still, you know, struggling to keep up with athletic quarterbacks like just, that. Just glad it's not Fitzmagic. Just glad it's not <laughs> Fitzmagic. Facing Ron Kopp, lead analyst, arrowheadpride.com. Thanks a lot, Ron. Appreciate you guys. You go Ron Kopp right there. K-O-double-P is what we call <laughs> K-O-double-P. That's right. I should have gone in that direction. Coming up next, uh, Pete's questions. Don't forget, Jay Southland, Toast Service text line, 913-576-7610. If you have a question for Pete Sweeney, editor-in-chief, arrowheadpride.com. And will this be the year that Eric Bieniemy ends up at the division after this season as a head coach? We'll discuss that next. You're listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio with Pete Sweeney and Jay Binkley. Brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Dream bigger on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to AP Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Drink bigger. Pete, uh, we'll get to your Pete's questions here in just a minute. Was asked about this question several times this week. Raiders going to be looking for a new head coach next season. Obviously, the name Eric Bieniemy, the Vegas favorite at this point, is going to be a name brought up. Any chance he stays in the division? Because I'll say this first. If Urban's out in Jacksonville, which he probably will be, or I don't know why I say it. I don't know if he's that interested in the job. I don't know if they're that interested in keeping him. I like that job better if I'm Eric because of Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I, I, I tend to think the Raiders' job might be attractive to Eric Bieniemy. I know they're not on the West Coast anymore, but it's a historic franchise. Kind of. It's kind of on the West. Not that far from L.A. You could take a quick, quick plane. I don't love the quarterback, but you could draft a quarterback. Now you're taking a risk if if you don't yourself believe in in Derek Carr. I also t- think there's a certain point, and man, I I gotta think that Bianami gets a head coaching job ne- next off season after still for three years we've been going. We've through. said this every year, yeah. right? At, at a at a certain point, like Jay, for example, if Houston's job became available, man. I would never have in a million years wanted to go to Houston with that situation. But the enemy is at a point where he almost has to take it. You have to kind of just take whatever you One get. One of 32 jobs. Maybe three years ago, he could have been choosy if he got a, a job he didn't think he could be successful in. Right now, it could be the Raiders. It could be the Broncos job, which I could potentially see being open as well. And you'd have to take it, I think. I don't think you have a choice anymore. So it's interesting. I, I do think that the Trevor Lawrence, because, you know, the Chargers did the same thing. They had a young quarterback in Justin Herbert. Brendan Staley comes in, so it's not the coach that they drafted him, but certainly that was the allure for him to go to Los Angeles uh, because he had him there. I want to get your opinion on this. This is uh, yesterday, Patrick Mahomes, as he joins Carrington Harrison on the drive every Monday at 2.15. He talked about getting the aura back with the Chiefs, the problem with this offense. 
They did struggle mm-hmm. uh, some on Sunday night. There's no question about it. It's very good defense in Buffalo. But how long will it take to get the aura back? Here's Mahomes. I think it's going to come with the, the way we work, man. I mean, at, at, at the end of the day, we have to get better. Um, we, we haven't played the, the way we wanted to play really all five weeks of the season. Um, and so we, we have to find a way to get better. And that starts at practice, starts in the film room. And then I think the leaders are stepping up and kind of setting that example and setting that tone. Um, and so it's going to it's going to be a challenge, man. We're facing adversity at, at the end of the day. And so uh, it's going to be how we respond, how we get back at it. And there's still a lot of a lot of season left. And we got to find a way to get it right back on track uh, as quickly as we can. They have an offense to absolutely pound teams. Unfortunately, defense will let that team back into it. That's why before the Eagles game, Mahomes had 10 straight starts in a regular season in which it was six points or less, wins or losses. But the defense, if they could get a few stops like they did at the after the lightning, the lightning, I don't know if lightning needs to happen for every Chiefs game, but you know they got the stops for it. But the aura of the Kansas City Chiefs offense, the confidence they usually have, because Patrick has even talked earlier this week, you know, maybe at times not being as in sync with the wide receivers. Right. Because they used to have this little seeker connection where – you know, they break off of routes, but they're seeing different coverages each and every week. Eventually, they're going to see it all. Right, and and I think you're having McCole Hardman in a, a bigger position now, too, where, you know, they're still kind of working on that. The connection with Hill has been a, a hair off, uh, it seems. But I think he's right when he talks about the aura, and, and you know, that's more than, than simple game planning and, and work ethic. It's kind of getting your, your swagger back. The one thing that has proved the Chiefs so successful in the past, and this is where they can tap into as well as despite winning all the games that they won, they did still treat each and every day and week like it was its own thing. It was never a, a thing. I mean, yes, I know that there were some 20 and 0 talks before the, the season starts, the start, the season started, which seems a little bit ridiculous now, but as far as a week to week basis, once the chiefs get in the season, you can't really ask him about anything as far as future goals and now is the time on the other side of it to tap back into that energy. And I think they've done it before on the winning side of things. So I think they're just really zoning in on Washington this week. And you could get that swagger back against a team like this because you are going to be better. I'm eager to see the offense against this Washington defense, it, it not performing so well. I think it's a daunting matchup for Washington, and it's a, a chance for the Chiefs defense in a, in a way to get right. Well, what's out of the what's out the window is that the Chiefs would be overlooking Washington. Like no early on, they had these big it's wins. It's like Eric Bieniemy in the job. Like you got you got to take the win. You know, at this point, but any kind of win. You yeah, take. they have three losses in the first five. The Washington, right. they they probably want to take it out on them at this point. There's no overlooking them. They want to get things right at, at this uh, in this game. The questions uh, to Pete Sweeney uh, coming here just real quick. Here's from the nine one three. Hey Pete, does yes. Williams eclipse a hundred yards against Washington? I'm going to say no. I think he'll have a nice day, and I'm going to I'm gonna say in the, like, 70 to 90 range. But it's hard for me to think that he accumulates more than 100 because I really think that McKinnon is going to get his snaps too. I'll, I'll say this, speaking of Eric Bieniemy, I bet you this tandem gets more than 100 yards, yes. The tandem of, of Williams and McKinnon. Including Mahomes getting probably in there 35 or 40 in this game. Ideally not, but unfortunately, yes. <laughs> From the 417, does it seem as if Patrick is being held back? I think a better way to phrase that is, is there too much pressure on is he feeling the pressure of yeah, each game? Heck yeah. I think he knows he has to pretty much score a touchdown on every possession right now to feel comfortable. 
Uh, certainly was the case in, in the Bills game where they were down by a lot. But even early in games, it, it's it's not a panic. I don't want to say a panic, but I think pressure probably is the right word where you're just feeling like if we don't score touchdowns, we're not going to win. And we're talking about, what, like 40-plus points worth of touchdowns. That's unfortunately where the Chiefs are at right now. For the 816, hey, Pete, next three games, Washington, Tennessee, the Giants. What's the record in those three games? Uh, three and oh. I already said that. All I right. think the only question is okay. I think the only question is Tennessee. I am not overlooking anything right now. Would I be stunned, out of my mind stunned if the Chiefs dropped one to like Washington or the Giants out of nowhere? Not at this point, which is crazy that I I'm, I'm there, but I I do think the Chiefs get back on track and win these three games. Have a question from our friend Ralph in Dodge City. Oh, Lord. Will the Chiefs hit the fifty burger this week? <laughs> Uh, I think you could. I think you could feel safe about the team total, whatever it is. We can look that up later, but it, it's probably around thirty. I I think the Chiefs will be over that. Oh, they just they want to take it out on Washington. Like Washington is seeing the Chiefs at the wrong time, but I, they will be on house money, like I said. Yeah, I I think for teams of of the caliber that each of these teams are, you prefer the Chiefs to be feeling comfortable and winning going into this game. I, I completely agree. It, it's a, it's a game that's early on the chiefs calendar and schedule here. And one that they really need to win, right? You're going into Washington. Typically the chiefs would be five and oh, right now. Oh, You'd be you feeling great. would be saying that they lose this one. And exactly. But, but, and they'd be coming in and you're like, Oh, well maybe, you know, they're, they're overlooking us or something. Looking forward to the future. This is an undiv- This is a different story. The chiefs need to go in and really get this win, and they are a better team than the Washington football team. Don't forget, they, they're, all their losses are against AFC conference contenders. Yeah. The Washington football team is not that. NFC least, baby. NFC least. That's Pete Sweeney, editor-in-chief, ArrowheadPride.com. Make sure you're checking out Arrowhead Pride. Tons of articles every single day. They stay busy. Right after the game, there's a bunch of stuff. Pete joins us at like 2 a.m., and then he's on TV at 6.15 <laughs> the next one. I don't know how he does it. Pete and I talk to each other extremely late. Last night. Huge thanks to Ron Kopp, lead analyst, ArrowheadPride.com, for joining us. Thanks to Kramer Sansone, who's also over Madden at ArrowheadPride.com. The Madden, the Madden master. I can't wait for the simulations this week. What's going to happen? Looking forward to seeing that. Anyway, thanks for joining us, Pete, and I'll be back next Wednesday, 6 o'clock. Stay tuned for Bacon Night with that clown. Later. It's my-